Hello everybody and welcome to First and Goal. It is Monday, July 19th in the year 2021. And today we're going to discuss the 2021 Georgia Bulldogs out of Athens, Georgia. I'm Ben, here with my co-host Big Rob. How you doing over there, buddy? Oh, I'm about to be great. Yes, sir. It's going to be a good one. It's a hard-hitting football team. Going to be the new powerhouse in the SEC. We do believe we were going to cover Bama, but we decided to call Audible. So before we get into this thing, you know the deal. Buckle that chin strap, throw in that mouthpiece. It's going to be a hard hitter. Let's get it. Monday, July 19th. I don't know about y'all, but I hate a Monday, but I love when we talk football. How about you over there, Rob? Hey, I'm doing good. Ready to dig into this Georgia football team. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's looking to be a powerhouse. Today, we're going to be going over everything from the coaching staff, the 2020 record, spring game, offensive breakdown, defensive breakdown, strengths, weaknesses of the team, the whole nine yards. We're getting into the real nitty gritty, and I'm going to tell you what, this is one... Hell of a look, good-looking football team. I'm telling you, we covered all kinds of film. Uh, we watched the uh, watched all the se- the games last season. We watched that uh, Chick-fil-A Bowl, Cincinnati, uh, where it looked like uh, it, it was a, a clincher up to the end. Um, we even took a, a look at some of the Mississippi State games and just to see what we could find that may be a weakness for this team, but. Uh, <laughs> Don't look like there's much, but we'll get into that. So let's go ahead and go over this record. Uh, last season for 2020, the Georgia Bulldogs went 8-2. and two. Should have been 9-2, and two, but that Vandy game was canceled. Yes, sir. That's 7-2 and two SEC, right? 7-2 uh, and two SEC and one win versus in the Chick-fil-A Bowl. That's right. That's right. Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, which was also in Atlanta, Georgia. It might as well have been a home game for the Bulldogs when they went down there. It wasn't but about an hour from the school, I don't believe. But, uh. I tell you what, that was a hell of a team last year. Looked a little sluggish starting off when they have a different quarterback. They finished the year with Mr. JT Daniels, went undefeated, but uh, we're getting all that in a few minutes. But um, the only two losses they had last year, the Florida Gators and the Alabama Crimson Tide, and I mean both of those programs were powerhouses in their own right last year. I'm not going to say Florida was exactly everything it should have been, but at the same time, I mean – Florida was a hell of a team for a good while there. They fell off at the end there, but, I mean, they had a lot of guys opt out, a lot of injuries, a lot of other problems. Yes, sir. That uh, Florida was a, a, a real good team, a lot of opt-outs, like you say. But, you know, they Georgia ended up losing that game 44-28. to And the Alabama game, uh, Georgia ended up losing 41-24. to uh, so not much of a score difference in those two games, but, you know, it was a slobber knocker up into the end. It always is with Georgia. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That is a team that, I mean, they about like a damn zombie. It don't matter how much you beat them, how much you try to put them away. They just keep on coming. They get a little uglier every time. They get a little meaner. And it seems like every year, especially with Kirby Smart, 
they are just one hell of a tough team. You cannot count them out. It don't matter how many points you hang on. Until that buzzer rings at the end of the fourth quarter, don't sleep on that team. No, you never sleep on that team. Their defense puts it in, uh, puts them in the game until the end, and you you can't sleep on that offense either. With JT Daniels back there at quarterback, he's got that rocket arm. Uh, some good receivers coming back again. We'll get into that here in just a few, but yeah, this team they could be the SEC team this year. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Absolutely. I mean that's. Exactly my point. We were going to jump into Alabama today, but after we started looking at film, and I mean, one of the games we looked at was Bama and Georgia last year, and we said, well, Bama looked pretty good, but then you look at all the guys they lost, and then you look at Bama's spring game, and it don't look – don't get me wrong, Alabama's a reloaded team. They look strong. But you watch Georgia's film at the end of last year when they got JT Daniels in there. You look at the spring game. This looks like one hell of a intense team, and they look like they are ready to play. They got a chip on their shoulder and a fire in their eyes, mm. and I feel very strong. This is going to be the team to beat in the SEC, period. Not Absolutely. East, but the whole damn division. Absolutely. And the thing about the, the teams that are your stronger teams, they always reload. They're always reloading. You You never have a – a rebuilding season, you always reload. That's exactly right. I mean, everybody loses players, but it all depends on what kind of players you can put back in there to replace them at that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and Kirby has shown that he is a resilient recruiter. Yes, sir, he has. I mean, Kirby Smart's recruited very well ever since he's been there. This is his sixth year in the program, and, I mean, from the time he's got there, he's taken them to a national championship. It seems like every damn year they're contending for the SEC championship. Last year they didn't do it because Florida took their place. But, I mean, even then, it was a crazy year. It was a COVID year, a lot of uncertainties and everything else in that program. I believe if they played Florida at the end of that schedule instead of the beginning when they did, it would have been two whole different ball games. I do believe. I believe 110% you are 100% correct there. Now let's go ahead and get into the 2021 schedule. Yes, sir. Let's check it out. Looks like on September the 4th, probably the biggest game of the season for the Georgia Bulldogs and also for the team that they're going to be playing, too, in the Clemson Tigers. That is your first game of the season, believe it or not. Yes, sir. I cannot wait for that. We're going to have the smoker rolling. We're going to have the drinks on ice. It's going to be one hell of a great day for football, and I am already just – shivering with anticipation for that game i mean it is going to be great and the reason it's going to be so great is both of these teams coming in literally georgia's strength is clemson's weakness when you break down the film yep and clemson's main strength the thing that they're the best at is what georgia struggles with yep and we'll explain that all to you here in just a few minutes september the 11th second game we're going uab so Clemson's going to, or Georgia's going to have a, a little bit of a breather on that game. They should win that one pretty handily. And then on September 18th, they're going to go against South Carolina. Good old South Carolina Gamecocks right there in Columbia, SC. Yes, sir. I and hate to say it. I'm a Gamecock fan, but uh, hmm, I don't think that's going to be a very tough one for the Bulldogs. Yeah, if you guys haven't figured it out yet, we're both South Carolina homers, so everything that we do, we kind of lead towards South Carolina. But we try to make this all 
just as fair as we possibly can and come in with open eyes on every team. I mean, you know, being South Carolina fans, we're not much of a Clemson fans, but I'm telling you that Clemson team's going to be tight. This Georgia team, that's going to be the team to beat. This could be your national champions. The second or the uh, fourth game of the season, September 25th at Vanderbilt. And then October 2nd, they play Arkansas. October 9th, Auburn. October 16th, Kentucky. October 30th, Florida. November 6th, Missouri. That should be interesting. That'll be a good game. November 13th at Tennessee. Blowout. <laughs> November 20th, Charleston Southern. Another blowout. Yeah, I hate to say that for old Charles Southern, but it'll be good exposure for him on national stage. And then finally on November 27th, it's going to be Georgia Tech. Poor Yellow Jackets. Poor Yellow Jackets. But, you know, with any rivalry game, anything could happen. Yeah, and I but, mean, they're in the SEC also, so you got to think, we say Georgia could very well be a national champion this year, but at the same time, when you play in the SEC – you really don't know. Any given Saturday, any team could beat you. I mean, look at 2019. They got beat by a South Carolina team that was terrible. Mm-hmm. Look at last year. Florida, don't get me wrong, Kyle Trask, them fellas, they did really good. Kyle Pitts, best tight end in the nation last year. They did outstanding things at Florida. But at the same time, Florida was not no powerhouse school by no means. Mm-mm. They were good. They could put points on the board. They could compete with anybody, but at the same time, they were not levels above Georgia. I mean, look at the South Carolina-Florida game. South Carolina was in that game up until the end. I mean, you look at that game, hell, look at Florida when they played, was it Oklahoma Sooners? Mm-hmm. They got spanked. Oh, yeah. All over the field in terrible fashion. Yes, sir. Now, on December 4th would be your SEC championship game if the Georgia Bulldogs happened to get there. That's right, that's right, that's right. But uh, we're a long ways from that. There's a lot of things that could happen between now and then, so we ain't going to hang nothing on that. And I'm not going to put nothing in stone cold ink yet, but it's going to be a good team. I'm going to pencil it. I'm not going to put it in ink, but I will pencil it. I got you. I got you. Well, uh, hell, while we at, why don't you go ahead and tell me about this Georgia Bulldogs coaching staff? I know we got Kirby Smart, the head coach. What else you got on them there, Big Rob? Yes, sir. So head coach, of course, returning Kirby Smart. Your defensive coordinator and outside linebackers coach is going to be Mr. Dan Lanning. Mm-hmm. Offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach, Todd Munkin. Todd Munkin. Yes, sir. That's the man they brought in. Um, I remember when they brought him in. I think last year was his first season. The whole reason they brought him in was because they wanted an offensive coordinator to come in that, was, that had a mindset to stretch the ball down the field, get the ball over the top, spread the ball out all over the place, get more of a pro-style offense going in Georgia. Yes, sir, and Todd Munkin was actually uh, a D1 head coach at Southern Mississippi uh, before he came to Georgia. Uh, he was actually an uh, offensive coordinator at Oklahoma State where his his offensive calling plays, whatever you want to call it. Play ev- calling. Play calling, thank you. Uh, national title aspirations is running some sort of some form of that offense these days. That's right, that's right. Next, we are going to talk about the pass game coordinator and wide receiver coach, Cortez Hankton. 
Your tight end coach is going to be Todd Hartley. Associate head coach and offensive line coach, Matt Luke. Oh, yeah. I know that offensive line, they look pretty stout. We're going to talk about them here shortly. But uh, that's a good man to have as your assistant head coach. Oh, yeah. Run game coordinator, running backs coach is going to be Dill McGee. Defensive line coach is Trey Scott. And I'm telling you, that man has this defensive line hungry. Defensive backs coach is going to be Jamil Aday. He's actually brand new. He's the lone new coach coming into uh, the system. He's from actually from West Virginia. <clears throat> the co-defensive coordinator is going to be Glenn Schumann, and your special de teams coach is going to be Scott Cochran, with special mention going to Will Muschamp. He's actually going to be the senior defensive analyst uh, at Georgia this year. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's a good defensive mind coming in right there in his own right. He, uh, I guarantee you, he might be an analyst, but I bet you money Kirby Smart's asking him opinions and getting his input on a lot of things with that defense. And those two guys, I believe they also, um, very good friends, tie way back. They were old teammates for the Georgia Bulldogs back in the day. Back in the day, they sure were teammates. They, uh, always wanted to actually coach together and they finally get the chance. I'm sure they probably didn't want it on those circumstances, though. So. Oh, no, I'm sure most champ, <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. But uh, now we're done with the coach staff. Why don't we talk about uh, some of these players? We got some players leaving the team from last year, some impact guys, and I think we also got a few guys that are injured in the preseason that might not be available this upcoming season. Let's go ahead and discuss that a little bit, get a little in-depth. Yes, sir. So players leaving this season – Georgia Bulldogs were so good last season that they've actually got 11 players that went into the NFL draft. Quarterback, quarter, or cornerback, get Eric. Get it right, get it right, get it tight. <laughs> cornerback, <laughs> Eric Stoke, All-American, 31 games played. You also have cornerback, Tyson Campbell. He had 89 total tackles in 2020. Now, that's weird to think that both are cornerbacks. Not knocking them by no means, but uh, it's weird to think that both their cornerbacks are gone in the NFL and they're all Americans and all this other stuff. And really, their secondary was not exactly the best strong point last season. I know uh, they didn't get beat over a lot, but they gave up a good many yards last year. Yeah, they uh, that defense. Well, we'll get into that a little bit as well, but. A lot of that was underneath um, plays, but safety Richard LeConte, 2020, 16 solo tackles, 10 assists with three interceptions. They're losing out on. Also losing defensive lineman Malik Herring. That was a hell of a player. Edge Aziz Ojulari, I think is how you pronounce it. I'm not sure. I probably butchered it. Sorry, Mr. Aziz. He should be a quarterback for Clemson with that name. <laughs> Indeed. Losing defensive back Mark Webb. Uh, he made a lot of good plays last year. Yeah, he had 10 tackles with 11 assists with 21 total and one INT. Mm -hmm. They're also losing offensive lineman Ben Cleveland, the lone offensive lineman uh, that will not be returning this season. So they bring him back four out of five on that O-line. Four out of five. That's damn good there. 
They're also losing uh, linebacker Monty Rice, 30 tackles with 19 assists, making it 49 total with two forced fumbles and one of those scooped for a touchdown. Damn right. Playmaker. Tight end Trey McKitty, six receptions for 108 yards with one touchdown. Defensive back DJ Daniel had two seasons with 44 solo tackles, seven assists. 51 total tackles compared, you know, with those assists calculated in. And three of those came tackles for loss. They're also losing Eric Stokes. He had 16 solo tackles, 18 assists, with 78 total. Four INTs, two touchdowns, one forced fumble. And according to Pro Football Focus, Stokes allowed 12 of 29 passing, just a 41.4% completion rate. Damn right. Ain't nothing wrong with that at all. That's that's some very good stats right there. All right. Also, players leaving. Looks like transfers. Uh, we're going to have transferring out defensive back Prather Hudson to Illinois. Quarterback Juwan Mathis went to Temple. Yeah, I remember he played a little bit last year. They, uh, there was a little bit of a joke they made. They said uh, they were scared that he was going to be the ghost of Justin Fields, basically haunting them again where they don't give him an opportunity and mm -hmm. he goes somewhere else and turns into a first-round quarterback. So they gave him a shot last year, and they said that uh, after they looked at him, they decided, no, ain't nothing much to worry about right there and <laughs> wished him the best of luck. Yes, sir. Defensive back Tyreek Stevenson went to Miami. Ooh. Tight end Colby Wyatt went to Hawaii. Offensive linebacker Jermaine Johnson went to Florida State. What, what, what was that position again? Or outside linebacker, excuse me. I, said I, I was about to ask you, what the hell is an offensive <laughs> linebacker? Outside linebacker Jermaine Johnson, Florida State. Defensive lineman Natari Johnson went to Middle Tennessee. Wide receiver Maika Tong went to Oregon State. Wide receiver Trey Blount went to Old Dominion. Wide receiver Matt Landers to Toledo. Damn, they had a lot of kids leave. What the hell's going on down there to cause all the transfers, you reckon? I mean, the coaching staff's pretty much the same. I think it's just because they're stacked at all the positions and they don't think they're going to get much playing time at Georgia. Damn, yeah. I mean, I reckon if you got a bunch of five-star kids ahead of you and you a three-star, it would definitely discourage you. They also had a walk-on Cornerback Hugh Nelson. He also transferred to Hawaii. Aloha. <laughs> uh, let's see. A walk-on quarterback, John Setter, went to SMU. Wide receiver Tommy Bush went to North Texas. And defensive back Major Burns transferred to LSU. Mm. Going to a rival. Now, <laughs> Major Burns. That's a hell of a football name, isn't it? Sound like Major Payne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, uh, sounds like they're losing a lot of guys to the NFL draft. I mean, transfer-wise, I don't think you're losing a whole hell of a lot there as far as stars. I mean, don't get me wrong, you're losing talented kids. Anytime you have a transfer, you hate to see them leave, but sometimes you, you got to support them. I mean, they want to get a little bit of playing time, and you can't afford to give it to them. You can't bench a – you cannot bench a All-American player for someone that is just a mediocre star. Not not saying mediocre, but you well, can't bench one player for someone that's not quite as talented or productive as they are. You when when you're playing the SEC, you can't bench a 
All-American or potential All-American that's got you so so many good stats for a kid that may be an up-and-comer that you don't really know nothing about. That's exactly right. <clears throat> All right, so now that we're done with those players that leave, let's talk about some of the offensive players who are returning and maybe some uh, that are just coming into play. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You got a young man coming in right there at quarterback. Started the last four games for Georgia, and he went 4-0, and Mr. J.T. Daniels. Mr. J.T. Daniels, he had only 119 attempts, 1,231 yards with 10 touchdowns and only two interceptions. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He looked damn good. I mean, hell, I'm – both of those picks came in the Cincinnati game, I'm pretty sure. Hell, I wasn't even aware of it, but he was a true freshman starter at University of Southern California in 2018. Played all 10 games that year. Looked really impressive. They really loved the young man. Came back 2019, and wouldn't you know it, but in the season opener, towards ACL. Missed the whole season. Decided he was going to transfer to Athens, Georgia to come play some SEC football. Get down with the real stuff. Yes, sir. The... Uh and it's always a bummer whenever you get a knee injury like that that could ruin the year. Speaking of knee injury, though, they're also returning a wide receiver, number 39, George Pickens. They were ha they had high hopes for Mr. Pickens this season, and he still may be able to play, but in spring ball, he actually tore his ACL. That's number one, ain't it? George Pickens? Yeah. Number one? Yes, sir, that, that is number one. I'm sorry I had it next to uh, – Another player, my apologies. Mr. George Pickens, wide receiver, torn his ACL, will return this season. Um, well, may return this season depending on the ACL. They're hoping that he will. Um, wide receiver, Kyrus Jackson. Kyrus Jackson, yeah, he's pretty good. I'm touching on George Pickens. It'd be nice to see him if he does return. He made a huge, huge impact for his team last year. He's a hellacious playmaker. I mean, you watched the Cincinnati game. Some of the catches he caught in that game were just – downright amazing i'll never forget that diving catch he made in that game it just blew my mind but when you tear your acl in spring and you're talking about playing in the fall you're not giving that knee a whole lot of time to fix itself if he does come back it's going to be towards the end of the season i would think and even then i mean the mobility is not going to be a hundred percent and he's going to have to be real real careful putting himself at risk for further injury Yes, sir. The scary thing is, if he's not back this season, you might have seen the end of George Pickens because that man could very well be a number one draft pick even with that torn ACL. Yes, sir. Um, I don't know if he'd be a number one overall, but he could definitely be a first-round pick for sure, without a doubt. But um, the way he played last year, I wouldn't be surprised if he took a medical red shirt and decided to come on back and make things happen. Just, just the competitiveness of that guy from what I've picked up from him, I mean – he definitely looks like somebody that wants to go out on his own terms, if you know what I'm saying. Definitely, definitely. When you're uh, competitive like that, you don't want an injury to dictate what's going to happen. But, you know, only time's going to tell. He may even come back towards the end of the season, maybe toward a potential championship run. You never know. That's right, that's right, that's right. Well, um, now we talked about him a little bit. I'll tell you another big-time playmaker that's coming back in this Georgia team, and he is very underrated. You don't hear a whole hell of a lot about this guy. But he's a big-time player. He was a big-time help in that Peach Bowl last year. Beating Cincinnati, he played a big factor. Very hard-nosed runner, Mr. Zamir White, number three. 
Yes, sir. Mr. Zamir White, I don't care how many times you watch the film on this kid. He is all the time running people over, or he's even got the feet that he can actually, you know, juke a couple of people out their shoes and get a few extra yards. He, he can do whichever he wants to do. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. He really reminds me a lot of um, Nick Chubb in his Georgia days. But he's got a build similar to more of a Todd Gurley, the way he's put together. He doesn't like that man's going to run over everybody. He looks like more along the lines somebody's going to cut and juke in and out. But, hell, you watch that Cincinnati game. If you're a Georgia fan, you know exactly what I'm talking about. This man will get hit, I mean, four, five, six times before he goes down. And he's going to make sure when he goes down, them shoulders is going forward. He don't matter how many people's on him, those shoulders is going forward when he hits the ground. And that is a dedicated, hard nose running back. Absolutely. This kid, he, and he's also got a nose for that first down marker, too. Yes, sir, absolutely. That's what I'm saying. I mean, this guy here, he is like a freight train. Once he sees that first down marker and when he sees that goal line, it takes hell to stop that fella. I mean, I believe he would go through a concrete wall to get into that end zone. He is a hard-nosed runner. I mean, people talk about Kevin Harris in the SEC, but – Mr. Zamir White, I mean, he deserves a lot of credit. Absolutely. He is going to be maybe the number one SEC rusher in the, in the league, I do believe. Next, uh, we'll go back over Kyrus Jackson, uh, wide receiver. He actually led the team in 2020 with 36 catches for 514 yards. Yes, sir. That's uh, number 10, ain't he? Yes, sir. I do believe you're right there. Jermaine Burton, another wide receiver that's coming back. Six foot, 200 pounds worth of man right there. Gracious day. Uh, they're also getting in a transfer uh, coming from LSU. His name is Eric Gilbert. Damn right, nothing wrong with that. I'll tell you the one I'm looking forward to coming back from last year, and that's a tight end they got, number zero, Mr. Darnell Washington. Six foot seven, 285 pounds of get you some. <laughs> And he's got the build to be one of those just dynamic tight ends that can, you know, just throw a block, you know, do the in and outs. But this man actually, he can get down the field and get you some yards too. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He's not no hybrid tight end by no means. He's uh, more of the traditional type, but he's a lot like a Jeremy Shockey, just a little bit taller. But uh, I'm going to tell you what, you get the ball in that fella's hands, six foot seven, 285 pounds. And when I say 285, I'm saying this man has like a 32-inch waist. He ain't no big fella by no means as far as fat goes. That is 285 pounds of foot in your ass coming at you. Wide slap open. Hell, in their spring game, one of his own teammates tried to hit him. I think the poor boy's still in the hospital in the trauma unit recovering. <laughs> you ain't lying. All right, so covered Darnell Washington. Like I said, he's six foot seven. You said 285 pounds. He had seven receptions last season for 166 yards. Uh, Average 23.7 yards per catch. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He didn't get a whole lot of reps last year, but I'm telling you, this year here, he's going to be a main piece of that offense without a doubt. I mean, you get a guy like that there. Six foot seven, 285 pounds, and he's got good speed. He's not no speed demon by no means, but he has good speed breaks, if you know what I mean. Speed mm -hmm. burst. He can make moves when he has to. I mean, that's hard for a linebacker to block because he's a little bit quicker than a linebacker, but at the same time, a defensive back. Six foot seven, 285. What safety do you notice going to be able to defend that hardly? 
not very many. And being at six foot seven, the man can also jump up and catch those high balls when your average defensive back stands maybe six one, six two. That's right. That's exactly right. And I mean, there's several things about this team with this offensive starters that's really fascinating. I mean, you also got a running back, another running back coming in, number two, Milton. That's another guy. Towards the end of the season last year, a lot of people say that he looked like he had a potential to where he could have very well been sharing reps for the number one spot instead of being the backup man. I mean, he's got great speed, catches the ball great out of the backfield. He can run outside. He can get inside and make cuts. I mean, he does everything you need to do. This team is loaded with depth on so many levels on this offense with returning players. I mean, it's not just new guys. It's a lot of returning players. And that's something that's going to be really hard to beat. Last year they were young in a lot of these positions. Now you got a year experience and a year of playing nothing but SEC teams, the toughest competition in the nation. I mean, depth goes a long way. It really does. Now, as we could tell, Kirby Smart has actually recruited well in these years past and you know, we're not really sure how many of these freshmen coming in are going to be an immediate impact. So we're going to talk about a couple of these kids that may make an impact this season or could very well in the future. First of which, we're going to talk about a wide receiver that we saw in the spring game, Adonai uh, Mitchell. The yes, sir. That's a bad man right there. I'm didn't mean to cut you off, but just hearing that name, I'm getting excited because I watched that spring game, watched film on him. You look at some of his high school highlights. That is everything you want in a playmaker. And I'm going to tell you what, Mr. Pickens might be injured this year, but have no fear, Georgia fans. Mr. Mitchell's on the way. I'm telling you, in this spring game alone, Mr. Mitchell caught seven passes for 105 yards and one touchdown. And when he caught that touchdown pass, I'm going to tell you what, that was the catch of the day. It was I mean, bad to the bone, impressive. He was number 64 uh, receiver nationally. He's six foot four, weighs 190 pounds. He had 53 receptions with 795 yards and 15 yards per catch with eight total touchdowns. Another notable tight end that is coming in that could have an impact this season as well is Mr. Brock Bowers. Yes, sir, Mr. Bowers. I'm a, I enjoyed watching him in the spring game. He's going to be a hell of a playmaker for these guys. He's more of a hybrid tight end. I mean, we talked about it last week with Clemson. We'll talk a little bit more now. In the game of football nowadays, you have your traditional tight end, which is a lot like Mr. Washington, the heavier guy, taller, very good for blocking, very good for playing H-back, receiver. I know receiver tight end, going out catching a little smaller passes, not really taking the top off of a defense, but getting out there and catching some decent passes. Mm -hmm. Brock Bowers coming in. This guy here is six foot four, two hundred and thirty pounds. Coming out of high school, he played running back, he played wide receiver, he played kick return. Hell, he had twelve tackles last year in a game where he came in and played middle linebacker for a game. Wow. I mean this man can play anywhere on the field. That is a pure athlete. And this kid's got elite speed too. 4.5 40-yard dash. That is rolling for a tight end. He's got a 40-inch vertical. He was number 102 overall, and he was the number three tight end in the nation. I'm telling you, man, I mean, Brock Bowers is not going to be no joke. With Darnell this year, I mean, these guys, they love running 
what you call the 12 personnel where you got two tight ends on the field at the same time. And, I mean, with Darnell out there and Brock Bowers out there at the same time, plus you got Mr. Mitchell outside at receiver, you got the running backs in the backfield. It's going to be hell for a lot of defenses. And, I mean, Brock Bowers, you got a man who's lining up at tight end with four or five speed. How many linebackers, you know, middle linebackers, they're running four or five? Well, hell, with four or five speed, you could put him in a slot position and still have a two tight end set. Six four two thirty. That's a big damn slot. I'm telling you. I mean, that's he's got future playmaker rope all over him. He's gonna be a big name for Georgia for years to come. And I guarantee you he's gonna burst on the scene in a big way this year, along with Mr. Washington, without a doubt. Absolutely. Next up, we're going to talk about an offensive tackle that may actually step in and fill the shoes of the one who left. His name is Amarius Mims. This kid is six foot seven. He's got a seven foot one inch wingspan. What the hell are they feeding these kids nowadays? <laughs> Bo, I don't know if it's the uh, what they're putting in the chicken to make it grow faster or what, but I'm telling you, this it's. It's ridiculous on how this wingspan that this kid has. I'll tell you what, damn cornbread, it ain't the same no more. That's for sure. <laughs> he has experience at both the left and right tackle. And he, he the only downside to Mr. Mims is he's still developing a good pass-blocking skill. I mean, hell, the only way to go is up. Now, some of these kids that may not have an impact this season but may in the years to come, there's a quarterback Brock Vandergriff. To me, he looked real green in the spring game, but he did show flashes of brilliance. He's a five-star recruit. He, in high school, he had total passing yards of 10,097 yards with 107 touchdowns with 808 attempts, 17 INTs. Had 48 games played total. His quarterback rating was 138.2. He was the number 14 overall and the number two dual threat quarterback in the nation. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And he's also coming off an injury, or he was coming off injury during that spring game, so he didn't get a whole hell of a lot of reps in that game. But I'm going to tell you, man, I mean, Georgia, they are loaded at the quarterback position. I mean, you got a man who started six games last year at second string. Mm -hmm. You got JT Daniels, first string. You got this man here. He's probably coming in to be your third string quarterback, I'd have to say, more than likely. I mean, dual threat. He threw the ball really well on the run. Big playmaker. I mean, hell, there was a couple times there where, damn, the blocking broke down and nobody was open, up. Nobody was open down the field. He took off and made plays with his legs where I thought, sure, he was going to get sacked. But, I mean, took nothing and made something out of it. So, bright future ahead of that man. Hell, what's Muschamp's kid going to be for fifth string? I, hell, I don't know, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I had to take a little stab at Will Muschamp there. My apologies. You keep messing uh, with Coach Boone. That man there. I, <laughs> I'm going to uh, leave that one alone. All right. There's another running back <laughs> that's coming in. Uh, Love a C. Carroll, six foot one, 195 pounds. Uh, from what we could tell, he has good vision, and he's real patient, changes directions real well, and he's got a good speed burst. He's also a good receiver in the flats. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All those running backs look really well. I mean, they are loaded with depth. I, I keep talking about it, but I mean, it really is impressive the way Kirby Smart has recruited and thrown together those things. So I'm telling you, quarterback position, loaded. Running back position, loaded. Tight end, loaded. Receivers, they had several guys out with injury during the spring game. 
you ain't got nothing to worry about a receiver. Mm-hmm. You are loaded. They have been putting this thing together. It's damn impressive. It is damn impressive. It really is. This These kids that are coming in or returning, it's, it's really hard to find anything that they could have done different as far as recruiting goes. You, you can't really argue with anything that they've done. No, you really can't. I mean, I'm telling you, these guys, they got every kind of player, skill set-wise. They got big guys. They got fast guys. I mean, everything you can think of, they have covered it. I'm telling you, these uh, big mules on the offensive line, they're going to run people over. Uh, these tight ends, I mean, they can do whatever you ask them to do. Wide receivers, uh, running backs, these kids will run you over, slap in a heartbeat. Uh, quarterback can throw the ball a mile. I mean, what can't they do? That's what I'm saying. It's really impressive because, I mean, these are new kids coming in. A lot of these guys are kids who have never played college football before. Hell, JT Daniels last year, he made a comment saying last year in front of the COVID crowds at that limited capacity said that those were the loudest crowds he had ever played for before. Hell, in 2018, he was playing for a full stadium at USC, and he's saying they didn't make as much noise as a COVID crowd. And you look at the way he played, 4-0, I mean, that's what I'm saying. These guys are coming in green, straight out of high school, or transfers, but they're SEC ready. I mean, they're, they're out there balling, they're playing hard, they're playing fast, they're playing smart. It, it's really impressive. It really is. I, I, I want to know who the head of recruiting is out there. I'd, I'd like to buy that man a stake. Well, I believe uh, with the new analyst position, you might just trash talk the man you want to buy stakes. You might want to be careful with that. Well, I mean, you know, we, we still got a full year to go before he actually puts his hand on anything. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, now we're talking about that. Oh, look at the clock. Hmm. Not quite there yet. We got a little bit left. We got to cover one more little subject here. All right. I think we got enough time to get it in. Okay. A little two-minute drill. But uh, this offense... I mean, I got to be honest. Georgia, they used to be a team that they had fairly electric offenses. I mean, Todd Gurley, Nick Chubb, running backs. But they're always a run-first football team. It was always a grinded-out, wear-down to opposing team and let the defense take care of the rest. And, I mean, they might make 40 points in a game. But, I mean, normally Georgia, if they put up 35 points in a game, they were going to win because they weren't going to allow you but 14 and I mean, it seems like with the new offensive coordinator coming there, coming in there last year, they've really kicked it up a notch on this offense. They look explosive. They're throwing over the top now. They got a lot of speed out there at the receiver position for deep threats. They got a quarterback that's got a hell acious arm. I mean, got to mighty. The only problem I've seen with him is he does get a little Brett Farvish. Got a hell of arm and everything else, but sometimes he does. Or at least last season of 2020, he didn't know when to throw it away. He'd be too hung up looking for that deep threat. He wouldn't think about checking down. But on the bright side, he did a lot different in the spring game. He was a lot smarter with the ball and everything else. We'll discuss that when we get into the spring game after mm-hmm. halftime here. But uh, I'm telling you, he uh, he's really impressed me. It's just this offense, you got a lot of bright spots. 
I mean, these tight ends, these are NFL-type guys. And I think they're going to utilize tight ends a lot more now. I mean, you got running backs coming out the backfield. I think they're going to be more of a receiving threat than a rushing threat now compared to years past. I mean, what do you, what do you th- what's your take on offense, Big Rob? Uh, speaking of quarterback, my thing about him, and this goes back to the last season, JT Daniels just seemed to have a little bit of happy feet. But, hell, he's coming off an ACL injury. Who wouldn't have happy feet? Exactly. I mean, he had happy feet, and he never played in the SEC before. But even then, I mean, hell, look what he did. Yeah. Look at the way he changed the offense. I mean, <clears throat> just last year, the offense – hell, I'll pull the stats up for you right now. Let's see here. All right. Let's see what I got here. All right, last year, the offense averaged 310 passing yards a game when Daniels came in. For the first six games, they averaged 209. That's 100 yards more a game. Yeah. The total offense was 486 yards a game with Daniels. 382 without. 100-yard difference again. Team was 4-2 and two with Daniels. I am without him in there for the first six games. 4-0 with him in there. Hell, before he went in there, they were averaging 29 points a game. Last four games, he was averaging 37. <whistles> 10 points a game. I mean, that's eight, but that's a hell of a difference, man. Big difference. I Big, mean, huge difference. You got a lot to look forward to with this young man. But even the guys behind him on the roster – there is not a big step in the talent in between them. No, there's really not. You could you could have, Lord forbid, I hope it don't happen, but your top two quarterbacks could, could get injured, third string man come in, and I still think you're going to have a hellacious football team hard to beat, and I don't think you'll lose much production. If not gain a little bit of production, if he's going to be the uh, dual threat quarterback coming in. I'm telling you, man, I mean, it really is impressive. Oh, hell. Well, we tried to get it all in, but we didn't quite make halftime. So uh, we'll be back with y'all in a few minutes. Get you a beer, get you a water, whatever you got to do. But uh, we'll check back with you here in a few. See you soon. All right, all right, all right. We're back, everybody. Let's get this thing going. How about it? How about it? You ready to do the same big robs? Kicking off second half. Let's go. Let's do it. I hope you all got your refreshments because I sure did. <laughs> I hear you over there, buddy. All right. Well, we did, um, we did the offense, so let's uh, switch over, change gears a little bit. Let's kick into this defense here. What do you say there, buddy? Let's do it. So we're going to talk about some returners uh, on defense for this season. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the nose guard that's returning, Mr. Jordan Davis, big number 99. And, man, this kid is a mammoth, ain't he? Yes, sir. That is a man child. Got his own area code. <laughs> six foot six, 340 pounds. He is the heart, soul, and the Big Mac of this defensive line. Let me tell you. I tell you, when this kid hits you, you feel like you've been hit by a Mack truck. That's for sure. Well, damn, 350 pounds at six foot six. I mean – Good God, that's, that man there could break you in half if he hits you the right way. Yes, sir. 
Now, this kid started seven games last season, had 16 tackles, one sack, one hurry. And believe it or not, this kid blocked one kick, which was actually in the Cincinnati game. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I remember that. He kicked that thing way out of orbit. <laughs> uh, we're also uh, – George is also returning number 95, Devontae Wyatt, defensive tackle. Big number 95, too. He ain't no slouch in his own right. No, sir. He made some big plays in the spring game, filling in for 99, Mr. Davis, when he was out catching him a breather. Yes, sir. He started all 10 games last season. He uh, led the defensive line in tackles for the second straight season in a row. He had 25 tackles, two of them for loss. He had 14 hurries, and he deflected one pass. Yes, sir. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Hell, felt like a hell of a good man there. I'm telling you. Uh, George is also returning an, uh, linebacker, number 17, Nicobe Dean. Uh, Mr. Dean also uh, started all 10 games last season, playing 76% of all defensive snaps. He led the team with 71 total tackles. Damn it, that's getting after 71. He had 13 hurries and one and a half sack. He was uh, the semifinalist for the Dick Buckus Award last season. No, what? The Buckus Award. The defensive award. Buckus? The Buckus Award. Who you calling an ass kisser? <laughs> no, I'm just messing with you, man. I know what you're saying over there. <laughs> yeah. uh, they also bring him back a strong safety, Mr. Christopher Smith, if I ain't mistaken, correct? Absolutely, Mr. Chris Smith, strong safety. He played all ten games last season as well, which starting he uh, starting the last five, he had 26 total tackles, one breakup, and four hurries. Yes, sir, ain't nothing wrong with that. And you also got your uh, free safety, number 16, Mr. Lewis Kahn, coming back. Started all 10 games in 2020. I'm telling you what, the secondary, they're going to be leaning on him hard this year. They're going to be looking at him to be a leader, pick up the slack, because uh, a big sad spot for this defense, something you do have to worry about, is you do not have a single starting player returning on the outside. That's correct. And just a little bit of a scary thing, and we'll break down into it a little bit and figure out why, but he actually finished – second on the team with 49 total tackles one for loss one hurry he was actually uh selected as all sec third team yes sir i'm that is something for you to be a little worried about there because i'm tell you what when your free safety is getting the second most tackles on the team that's not a man that's lined up four or five yards off the ball he's back there so mm -hmm. when that man's making tackles that means somebody's gaining a lot of yards mm -hmm. throwing underneath or getting over the top somehow or another Yes, sir. There ain't a whole lot of going over top. Well, we're going we gonna to enlighten y'all on what the problem is here here shortly. Yes, sir. Let's talk a little bit about some of the freshmen that are coming in, freshmen to watch that could also help out this defense, shall we? Yes, sir. Kick off that fresh meat report. Yes, sir. Old fresh meat. Talking about a three-star defensive back that's coming in, Javon Bullard. He was 634 overall, number 51 cornerback in uh, the class. He's 5'11", weighs 180 pounds. Sounds like a good-sized cornerback. Yes, sir. Outside linebacker, Xavier Sori, number 20 overall, and he's actually the number one outside linebacker. He's a five-star. He was 6'3", 214 pounds. Damn right. That sounds like a good linebacker to be able to keep up some of these tight ends. Also might be able to move out and slot, pick up a receiver there. Yes, sir. Inside linebacker, Smell Munden, number 29 overall. Second outside uh, linebacker in the class. He's a five-star. He's six foot three, 220 pounds. 
I was able to find some stats on this kid. He had 49 solo tackles, 34 assists, 83 total with one interception and one forced fumble. Damn right. Is that just in one year or is that in his career? That was just uh, for the 2020 season, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, damn, that's a hell of a damn – that's a stat machine there for high school for one year. Yes, sir. Got a four-star cornerback, Kamari Lassiter. He was ranked 245 overall, number 18 cornerback in the class. Uh, this kid's actually pretty tall for a corner. He's six foot, weighs 185 pounds. He had uh, stats on this kid. This is for his entire career in high school. Uh, 210 tackles, 20 for loss, 10 interceptions, four forced fumbles in his career. Also played a little bit of wide receiver with 103 receptions for 2,488 yards with 35 touchdowns. That means the boy can catch the ball. Well, that would explain those 10 interceptions. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you something. Uh, I didn't mean to cut you off there, mm -hmm. but uh, this is exactly what we were talking about with that cornerback position lacking depth. And that tells you how smart Kirby Smart and those guys are as recruiters. You notice a lot of these freshmen coming in on the defense are corners and defensive backs. A lot of them, that means they're addressing where they lack depth and know what to go after. And hopefully these young men come in and they can make big plays because in the SEC and the way college football has changed now, if there is one position that you don't want to be lacking players at, it is your cornerbacks on the outside lined up against those deep threats. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. If you can't stop the pass, you may as well just hang it up and call it a day. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's one thing if you – it's one thing to let some check down passes get by, but uh, when you lack in depth and you got new guys on the outside, I guarantee there's going to be some big plays given up, and big that can hurt you. Absolutely. And and the thing about Kirby is he's smart enough to know, and and I'm not knock, knocking any other coaches out there, but some of these coaches, just because they got a four-star or a five-star beside their name, they're going to go after them. They're going to go after him, but um, Kirby's smart enough to actually know what his position needs are. And, yeah, he's going after the four stars and the five stars, but he's got enough respect and uh, out there to, to be able to get some of these kids that are the four and five stars. That's right. That's right. I mean, you got a really good recruiting staff here. Kirby Smart's a hell of a recruiter in his own right. Hired on Will Muschamp when he got fired from South Carolina. Known for years and years as a hellacious recruiter. Got a great defensive coordinator. I mean, the whole staff is really geared up. And they do a great job with their recruiting. And, I mean, that's smart to get these guys in here to fill in your needs. Mm -hmm. We're also going to have a safety coming in. He's also a four-star. His name is David Daniel, number 92 overall, number three athlete in the class. Six foot two, 185 pounds. He had 94 solo tackles with 123 total, one sack, two interceptions, and three forced fumbles. And I already say his safety, but he was recruited as an athlete. Mm -hmm. I would not be surprised at all right there if that's not another cornerback. Speaking of cornerbacks, the last one I've got on the list to watch out for is a four-star. Uh, his name is Nyland Green. He was the 69th overall prospect, number five cornerback in the nation. Six foot one, weighs 185 pounds. His vertical is 34.10 inches. That's a hell of a damn jump. I'm telling you. He played um, O and D in high school. He had 47 tackles, five 
for losses, one pick six, five interceptions. Uh, he had 25 receptions for 457 yards and four touchdowns. And once again, you got a guy as a wide receiver also. That means he's got pretty good hands on him. So, I mean, they could very well tighten it up. I think they did. Uh, we'll let you know in a minute when we discuss the spring game. I think we're getting ready to kick over to it right here and right now, I do Be believe. Before we do that, I just want to touch on one thing. I know we were talking about these cornerbacks being an issue uh, coming in, but the good news is they think they've nailed down at least the top three uh, for these positions in Jalen Kimber, Kelly Ringo, and Amir Speed. That's right, that's right. Well, that's a good thing going into the season. At least you do have some certainty on who your guys are, so you're not going in there blind, running around like a chicken with your head chopped off. Absolutely. All right, let's kick it over to the breakdown. What you got for me? Uh, I'd have to say on this defense, the strength of it, they can stop the run without much doubt at all. It's a really tough team to run the ball on. Uh, they also have a very good pass rush. And they can do it without sending the house at you. I mean, they got a defensive line. They can send the front four at you and still get pressure on you. They do love running a delayed blitz, mm -hmm. which is actually very smart because the way a delayed blitz works is you send your lineman. Your linebacker will be lined up like he is blitzing. They'll snap the ball. He's going to back off like he's dropping in co coverage. Quarterback's going to read his progression, see the linebacker backing up. As soon as he looks the other way, your linebacker takes off, catches the quarterback on a blind side. It works out really well especially if you got a fast linebacker to get to the man. So, I mean, that works out pretty good for a pass rush. But one thing I, I don't love about this defense, they give up a little bit too much cushion on the inside, which, I mean, I believe they do have a bend-don't-break outlook. Yeah, mentality, outlook on it. But at the same time, you saw it with Cincinnati, and I mean – yeah, they wiped out some small schools, but when they played tough competition last year, that's where they seem to struggle a little bit is if you're giving up, you don't want to give up big plays. I understand that completely. But when you're giving up four yards here, three there, then a seven-yard play and a first down, and the offense is getting three, four first downs every drive, they might be kicking field goals instead of touchdowns, but it keeps them in the game to a degree. And the whole time you're wearing that defense down a little bit. So, I mean, you're going to have to have a good offense to rack up points pretty easily, touchdowns, not field goals, the way this defense works. Mm -hmm. And that bothers me a little bit. Safety position, I think you're covered with that. But with the new guys on the outside, you are going to have to worry about getting the top taken off of you. Last year they had experienced guys. They all went to the NFL, so that might be a big reason why they gave up yards on the inside. The people couldn't go over the top. Now you got a new, a lot of new blood in the system. You don't really know what to look for with them. Right. You just really haven't gotten much, much film on these guys um, to really be able to say for certain whether they can cover deep or if they're going to be sort of those, you know, mid-range sort of corners. That's right. I mean, a couple of them was in the spring game and. In the spring game, they didn't give up a whole hell of a lot. But there's definitely room for improvement. You don't know because you're going against your own offense. You don't know how they're going to fare against Alabama or LSU or I would say Auburn, but they're not really much of nothing nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 
it's hard to tell what you got until you line up against a good team. And, I mean, I hate to say it, but they're going to find out week one. That's going to be as good of a test as they get all season. I tell you, that might be the best game of the season starting out out the gates. I'm telling you, it's, it's going to be interesting for sure. And <laughs> it's like I said earlier, both strength, both teams' biggest weakness is the other team's strength. That's going to be interesting. We're going to discuss that at the end of this podcast. But uh, I don't know about you, but I'm about ready to kick into the spring game. I don't watch this film and break it down, breaking it down. I'm itching to get into that. Well, let's break it down. All right, let's get into it. Right off of it, we got JT Daniels coming in. Huge improvement off 2020. You got a lot to be excited for with that. 2020, he was a little bit of a gunslinger. He put the ball in harm's way a lot. The spring game, that was not the case. They got a pass rush on him. They flustered him several times. But what's smart about him is he checked. He read his progressions off rip. If you look for the deep ball, if it was not there, he immediately checked down. He didn't try to create a whole lot of time to open up the deep ball. He could check down if he had to, or he would throw the ball away. He was very smart with the football. And I like that a lot. Um, your running backs coming back. All four running backs playing in the spring game look like big-time playmakers. I mean, hell, all four running backs had more than five receptions out the backfield for big yards. I mean, all four of them, five receptions. Mm-hmm. That's 20 damn passes right there just going to your running backs. Oh, yeah. They're, they're going to make the running backs included in that passing game this season. I mean, why wouldn't you, though, having, having those sauces back there in the backfield? Yes, sir. I mean, when you got guys that can catch the ball and then make a move or run somebody over and pick up 15, 20 yards, hell, that's all you need. Yeah. That's a hell of a combination. Yeah. And, I mean, I've seen a lot of really good things out of Mr. Brock Bowers. He made some really good plays in the spring game, showed the athleticism that we were talking about in that hybrid role. I mean, he was – he looked like a damn wide receiver rider. He didn't like a tight end. No, he really but, didn't. I mean, he could get the ball. He could take a hit. He could give one pretty damn good, too. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Brock Bowers made some plays, especially to be a freshman coming in there. And, hell, he, he skipped his senior year of high school to come in here. They were going to play in the spring. He gave that up to go ahead and enroll at University of Georgia. Be an early enrollee so he could participate in the spring game. Wow. That speaks a lot to this kid's determination uh, the ability to play, because who do you know that would skip, especially at the tight end position? Who, What coach out there would bring a kid in that skipped a senior year that should be a senior this season to take those kind of hits that he's going to get as a tight end? Well, he, um, he didn't skip his senior class year, but his senior football season, oh, he skipped that. Because they didn't play due to COVID last year, so they were playing the spring. Okay. And what they did is, I think they said they were going to have eight games this spring, mm-hmm. eight-game season. And he went ahead and skipped that to be, go ahead and be an early enrollee at Georgia and participate in the spring game. But the thing is, he skipped his last season of high school football, came into the University of Georgia, lined up, and is out there making plays, already looking like a playmaker. I mean, you're taking basically a junior in high school, man who hadn't played since 2019, mm-hmm. and he's coming in here making plays was one of the best college programs in the nation. That speaks volumes. Big volumes. And then you also had Mr. Darnell Washington, like I said earlier. I I feel so bad for that fella. He 
the very first catch he got in the damn spring game, got hit down, got a catch down the sideline, run about five yards. One of his teammates decided they want to tackle him, and I don't know, has he woke up yet? <laughs> God, to mighty, that was a hit. Uh, yeah. I mean, just annihilated that poor fellow. He went down. He's sleeping. Washington's still running for about another 15, 20 yards before four more guys have to get on and take him down. I mean, that was a huge, huge impact in that spring game right there. I mean, just two tight ends. You got two bad-ass weapons on this offense, I mean. That both could really be considered a wide receiver. Well, I mean, you got – that's what I'm saying, man. I mean, and with Washington, when you do run the ball – have you seen the way he blocks? I mean, he's 6'7", 285 pounds. That's the same size as an offensive tackle. If not bigger than some. Yeah, but he's got more speed than them. He fires off the ball faster than them. He's stronger than a lot of them. Have you seen the damn arms on that dude? Oh, the, I'm telling you, it looked like a couple of mountains on those arms. I'm telling you, man, I mean, hell of a run blocker. He can mm -hmm. pass block, H-back. He can catch the ball. He can... Give people nightmares when he hits them. I mean, that's some PTSD kind of impacts when that fellow dishes out. But, I mean, just think, we ain't even talked about wide receivers yet. Mm -mm. We haven't even talked about the rushing attack yet. Just think about in the passing game. Four running backs. Got over five catches each. Then you got two tight ends and that 12 personnel. I mean. And speaking of running backs, just think, though, you in a goal line formation, you have that man line up as a fullback and hand him the ball. That's exactly right. I mean, you got him in an H-back role. You can send him on motion and come through there and do almost like a jet sweep with him. Mm -hmm. You can do almost like a full-back dive. You can do a play action. He roll out into the flat. Who the hell is going to block him? Who the hell is going to block a six foot seven, two 285-pound man? You, you just hope he drops the ball. That's all you can do, hope and pray. Yeah, and I mean, if he catches it and he ain't got but a yard or two to go, I mean, damn. That – I feel sorry for you. you got a hell of a decision to make right there. I mean, do you want a concussion or not? Because <laughs> that fella, that's a damn playmaker. But, I mean, you got, hell, let's see, four running backs, two tight ends. you got six weapons right there in your passing game. We ain't even talked about wide receivers yet. No. I mean, this offense, this is not the Georgia old that's going to run the football and be born. This ain't the Georgia team you saw last year when they played Kentucky and won 14-3. Yeah, this this ain't the Georgia team that, you know, their philosophy is three yards in a cloud of dust. No, this is a team that's going to put up points. They're going to punch you in the mouth. Hell, their damn tight ends, their receivers are hitting you in the damn mouth. I mean, this is going to be a very impressive and very explosive team. Their spring game didn't look like a spring game. Their spring game looked like damn – Two SEC competitors going at it for a chance at the playoffs. I mean, they were playing wide open. And it's not just the first team offense versus the first team defense. It was the whole team, first, second, and third string, looked like legit SEC teams. Yes, sir. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it is loaded with depth. There's no second string with Georgia. Mm -mm. I mean, hell, there ain't no third string with Georgia. I mean, the only fourth string that I could think about maybe is Will Muschamp's kid at quarterback, but we'll not go there again. I think he was fifth string, actually. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure because, let's see, you got last, you got JT Daniels, you got last year's starter, you got your California kid with the long hair, you got, um, I think his name's Beck, yep. fourth string. 
So yeah, that's fifth string. Fifth string. Sorry, coach. That man's gonna kick your ass. <laughs> and I'm gonna laugh. <laughs> but uh, I mean, but you talk about all these guys, okay? Then when you get into the receivers, all right, you got a freshman coming in, Mitchell, number five. Look like a damn All-American out there making catches. This is freshman. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I mean, these guys, I don't know what the hell they got going on for a development program. I don't know. But these kids, I mean, freshmen. Mm-hmm. And they're coming in there looking like they're ready to go for SEC championship. They were like fifth-year seniors, freshmen. You couldn't tell me the difference in him and damn Pickens. No. Not at all, except for maybe Pickens has a little bit more crisper route running. But that's not anything that can't be taught. I'm saying, man, I mean, this kid's a freshman. Pickens ain't got one year left, if he redshirts. If. Exactly, I mean. Mitchell, I mean, you're looking at your next big thing, a wide receiver. He's going to be bad. Not to mention uh, Jermaine Burton coming back. No. Kyrus Jackson, which led the team last year. Exactly. I mean, it is insane how loaded these guys are. Mm-hmm. And that's just on offense. And also talking about that transfer from LSU, Eric Gilbert. I mean, where's the holes there? Who can stop them? That's what I'm saying, man. I mean, the only team that's going to stop them if you're Clemson, you gotta try to you gotta try to smack them in the mouth right off the get go. I mean, the only thing that's going to help Clemson is that rushing defense. That's that, the only thing. That's the only chance in hell they have. No, that's it. Because I'm telling you right now, if that quarterback has time to throw, it's over. Clemson, their secondary is already very questionable. Their defense is not built. To play deep threat. Mm-mm. And this offense is, I mean, loaded down with ammo to spare for that. This team is just, it really is going to be a powerhouse. This first oh. game, you got to tune into that first game. I don't care who the hell your favorite team is. This first game, Georgia Clemson, you got to watch that damn game. I can tell you for certain we're going to be switching back and forth. Hell, I might watch the whole damn thing. I ain't going to watch it. <laughs> it's going to be crazy. It's going to be a hell of a game. But it, it's just crazy. And then, I mean, we're just talking offense. Okay, you go back to the defense. Jordan Davis in the spring game. Georgia's offensive line is great. Mm-hmm. They're an elite offensive line. They're not pretty good. They're an elite offensive line. Elite. Top of the line. Six foot six, 340 pounds. I mean, hell. He was grabbing two, three guys and just walking around with them. He wasn't getting to the backfield in no big hurry because, I mean, hell, 6'6", 340, you ain't exactly going to be the fastest man on the team by no means. But I he know. still got to the quarterback. That's right. And I know Kirby Smart and them, they were addressing it. Uh, they were wanting him to lose a little bit of weight so he can keep up with the tempos and speed of college football. But, I mean, hell, he manhandled that offensive line. Imagine what he's going to do with some of these other teams, the smaller guys. It's going to be rough. going to be scary. Not to mention uh, Devontae Wyatt. Exactly. That kid ain't no slouch himself. That whole D-line. Mm-hmm. 
if you can send four guys, if you can send your defensive line four guys and get pressure on the quarterback every other play, that's a hell of a defensive line. Yeah. Then when you blitz, I mean, shit, what are you going to do? If you can get pressure with just your defensive lineman and then send a uh, linebacker on a blitz every now and again, teams ain't going to stand a chance. That's what I'm saying, man. I mean, this is going to be rough. I'm making my own damn self nervous talking about these guys. <laughs> but, I mean, that's that's the whole reason we switched over to this team is because Alabama, I wanted to cover them because they are the powerhouse of the SEC. They are the standard. Look at Alabama's film. Look at their spring footage. Look at Georgia. Georgia was very businesslike, whereas Alabama, it just seemed like they were just going through the motions. They weren't really playing. Georgia's hungry. Exactly. Alabama looks like a team that's high on themselves from last year. I'll be honest with you. I wouldn't be surprised to see Alabama lose two games this year. Wouldn't surprise me none, especially the, the – Conferences they're in when they have to play LSU and Texas A&M. I'm telling you. And if Georgia, if they show up, if Alabama and Georgia show up and play in the SEC championship, I don't think Alabama's going to get there personally. But if they did, if Georgia can pull it off and they don't lay a damn egg, if they play with the same hunger and the chip on their shoulder that these kids have been showing at the end of last season, there's going to be some feelings hurt. A lot of feelings hurt. Kirby Smart, he's hungry. He ain't got a national championship ring yet. He took him there, but they didn't finish the job. Mm-hmm. They're trying to prove themselves. And who was it they played in that national championship game? Old St. Nick himself. Damn robot. <laughs> old pink suit-wearing man himself. But, but I'm telling you, this team's going to be fun to watch this season. It's not going to be so fun when they play South Carolina. But, you know, these other teams, I mean, it's just going to be, in my personal opinion, it's going to be lambs being led to the slaughter. That's what I'm saying, man. I mean, you look at the film. These freshmen were coming in. We were worried about our secondary. But really, you look at the film. Look at all the spring footage. You don't see them guys really getting beat down the field which they played a formation to help them cover over the top. They gave up a few passes underneath, but, I mean, this defense looks very solid all the way through. It wasn't giving up no real big plays. There was one with Daniels connected with Mitchell, and, I mean, it was a hellacious catch. Mitchell extended all the way fully, caught the balls on his fingertip for a touchdown. It was really, really, really impressive. But That was the one-handed catch, wasn't it? No, 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 no. that wasn't the one-handed catch. The one-handed catch was um number 10. Okay. But uh, that was the catch with three seconds left before the half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For a touchdown. Two throws before that were atrocious. And, I mean, Daniels does have a little bit of a consistency issue. That's why I'm telling you. But uh, all in all, man, you don't believe me, check it out yourself. They look great. And go back and, uh, you know, see if you can't find some of the practices that they – you know, kind of had a few glimpses of on YouTube as well. That's right, that's right. But uh, why don't you tell me about the strengths of this team, Big Rob? The strengths of this team are the running backs that can, like you said, catch the ball, get 10, 15 yards a catch, can run the ball, 
you know, five, six, seven yards at a time. I mean, when you can get those kind of yardage, you're unstoppable on offense. Defensive strengths going to be that defensive line uh, that we spoke about, those two hosses that are going to lead the way. Uh, linebackers ain't much of a slouch either. Um, it's just going to be – this whole team's a strength to me. What about you? What do you think? Oh, my strengths. I'd have to say my strengths for the team would definitely have to be the running back core, but uh, more so I think these new tight ends coming in, quarterback's position is going to be great. Uh, Your new wide receiver, Mitchell, the whole offense is going to be a strength really, but the passing game for sure is going to be a huge strength. It's going to open up holes. Normally your rushing game opens up holes, for your passing, I think it's going to be the other way around this year. Defensively, I think your strength is going to have to be that defensive line. You got some good linebackers there, but uh, I'm still questioning the cornerbacks a little bit. They look pretty good from what I've seen, but you don't know until you get them out there on game day. Absolutely. How about your weaknesses? What What do you got for weaknesses? Uh, the only weaknesses I've seen – the offensive line looked really good, but they did let a few blitzes get through every now and then. So that definitely gives me a little bit of concern, especially with Clemson week one, which loves to get after the quarterback with a blitz. That definitely concerns me. And also, I'd have to say the cornerback position on defense to outside. The unknown of the position, anyway. Yes, sir, the unknown. From what I've seen, I like it okay, but I have not seen it in real game competition. Right. So, um, with that being said, my next question for you would have to be, what do you think they're going to have to do this year to finish the job and finally go get Kirby Smart that national championship ring? They're going to have to – continue to just do what they do on defense, get get that four-man rush. They're going to have to cover a little bit better as far as the underneath passes. Um, and they're just going to have to use their offensive weapons and uh, just be dominant. What's your opinion? I think this offense you're going to have to put up points. You're going to have to be more consistent. On offense, you're going to have to ask JT Daniels to be more consistent, protect the ball, not turn it over. Don't make dangerous throws. Don't make bad decisions. Protect that ball, put points on the board. And I mean touchdowns, not field goals. Defensively, you're going to have to keep that elite pass rush that you already got. But this secondary, you're going to have to make sure you don't get beat on the outside. But also don't give up all these 10, 12-yard plays underneath. Mm-hmm. Get them off the field. They say, Ben, don't break. The hell with that. Show them what a wall is. Give them three plays and get their asses off the field. And just like I said with Clemson, too, another point I want to make is this offense is also going to have to control the clock. They're going to have to give this defense a little bit of time to rest especially if they don't get teams off the field. Mm-hmm. I'd have to agree with that. So, um, 
now we've covered all that on me, is there anything else you'd like to touch on while we're here? I think we pretty much touched on everything. I really feel that this Georgia team is the team to beat, not only in the SEC East, but in the whole SEC itself. I feel that um, there's going to be two teams, and when they meet, we're going to be in for probably the game of the century. I don't know if it be the game of the century. There's been some damn good ones over the years, but it, it'd definitely be well, a game of the year. Well, the game of this century, anyway. But, uh... I'd have to agree with you there. I think mm. this team, they definitely got the potential to go all the way. Whether or not they can do that, whether or not they can finish the job and not lay an egg, I mean, Kirby Smart, you you got to prove it to me. Absolutely. And we're going to actually touch on the other team that I'm thinking about in the weeks upcoming. And, guys, take a look at our Facebook. Take a look at our Twitter. We're always putting polls out there on teams that you'd like for us to cover in the future. Yes, sir. We had one this past week talking about – a. Which team do y'all want us to cover this Thursday, ACC team? And wouldn't you know who won the pony? Who won the pony? North Carolina. North Carolina uh, Tar Heels won the damn pony. I'm telling you. But North Carolina is going to be exciting this year. I think they may be the team to actually uh, challenge Clemson this season. Yeah, as long as they come out and they be the North Carolina Tar Heels, not the North Carolina Mother Gooses laying eggs. <laughs> Because, damn, if I'm getting tired of watching them lay eggs against Florida State. Well, you never know. They might be the golden goose and lay them golden eggs. I'll tell you what. Florida State put a golden egg on their behinds last year. <laughs> that gone. You can't be that good and get beat by Florida State. They're awful. Uh, but, hell, that's what we're going to talk about Thursday. We'll save that for you then. Um, We appreciate you tuning in. And, like you said, check us out on social media. Give us a like. Give us a subscribe. Give us your input. Let us know what you think. Let us know how we're doing and if there's anything that we could do better or something that you want to hear from us that we're not covering. That's exactly right. Well, uh, till next time, we appreciate it. We'll see you all soon. Just in time. I just finished my beer. <laughs>